Amen. Man, good to see everybody this morning. Man, is it good to be in the house of God this morning? We got people coming to church. I love it. Six years? Are you kidding me? Wow. Uh, so much fun. I want to open up with a story this morning. And uh, this happened, uh, gosh, I can't even, I'm terrible with dates. And so we're just going to say like 15 years ago, maybe, uh, across the street uh, where I grew up going to church. And I was at a uh, at a conference there, by a, uh, there was a preacher in the, at uh, the church called Randy Clark, good man of God, and uh, we're just going after God, and, and I'm just, you know, working, through, working some things out through, through what God wanted to use me for, and, and I was, you know, growing in Him, and, and some people might say, well, you grew up in the church, so it just came easy. I would say that the, the opportunities were there, but it still has to come down to us making, like taking advantage of those opportunities. So the Bible says, teach a kid in a way that they should go so that they won't depart from it. So you give them the, the opportunity, but then I had to grow in my faith and I'm, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm an adult and I've been in youth ministry and, and I've been excited about serving God and I'm just hearing these words being preached about identity. And I remember lifting my hands to the Lord in, in, a, in a worship time and I just, I was so, in a way, proud of where I had come to with the Lord that, that I felt like he saw me and I saw him. Hold this a little closer. And, um, and I said, God, I'm so glad. I see myself as your, like, I'm your warrior. Like, I, I just felt like I'm supposed to just do whatever God asked me to do, and like, I'm just going to go for it. And, and now, like, that was cool. That was, a, that was a good thing to claim. But then I felt a softening inside of me, uh, 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 in my spirit, and, and God said, I, that's not why I love you. What? He said, you're not my warrior first. You're my son. And so we're going to talk more about that story this morning. We're opening up a new series called Identity Crisis. Uh, we're going to be talking through fears that are blocking the real you. And uh, that might sound a little humanistic maybe or a little self-help, which I don't really buy because I need the Lord to, to help me. I need a Savior. And so this isn't about us pushing through some wall that we've been struggling with. It's about seeing something that has been in our way from God's plan for our life and, and, and letting the Lord speak to it and, and being healed from it. Is that, does that sound good this morning? And so what does this look like? Why would we talk through our fears? Why would we talk about identity? Because here's what I believe, and this, I can speak to this uh, from firsthand experience is that we have this, uh, we have our mission in life, we have the things that we do, we have the community that we surround ourselves with, and the problem is, is that we're approaching both of those areas many of the times without knowing who we really are first. And so then we adapt who we are to fit whatever job we're doing, or we adapt who we are whatever group of people that we're in, and I think it's going to change. I'm a, I'm a little bit different when I'm at home than I am here. I'm a little bit different when I'm goofing off with my best friends I've had since high school. We can be quite stupid. And so I'm not talking about just kind of changing gears. I'm saying where I'm not comfortable with who I am, and so I just adapt to the surroundings. Does that sound like something you've ever done? Nod your head with me. We all do this. And so, uh, so the reason is because God wants us to know who we are first, and from out of that we find our community, and from out of our community we find what we're supposed to do. Does that 
That's, that's like the path that, that God has designed for us. That's the reason why our church welcomes people home to God. We want people to find their identity in him first. Welcome people home to his family. We want you to understand that you're supposed to go through this faith journey with a family. And, and we're just happy to be one part of God's church. And from out of that, that you would find God's plan for your life. And, and, that, and so if you try to do community and if you try to do mission without knowing who you really are, you are going to be blocked into the fullness of what God has built you for. Does that make sense? That's a mouthful, but that's why I'm up here. We're going to do this. And so to unpack that story that I opened up with, I grew up around God. I grew up around this faith. And, and like I said, I, I went through a, a, a few big moments where it went from just being something that my family did and believed in to something that I personally believed in. And I had my moments of salvation and then of recognizing that I'm a part of a community and then seeing the mission, the plans that God had for my life. And so that happened in a series of things. But where I was stuck and what the Lord revealed to me at that moment was that I was stuck that my value to God was based on what I would do for Him. And that somehow I had increased my value to Him because now I was His man. Does that... Have you made any sort of statements like that like, or, or thoughts like that? That, that I'm gonna be, I might be worth more to God when I get this thing figured out. I might be worth more to God when this addiction's not in my life. I might be worth more to God when I can have more free time to, to serve Him or more money to give to Him. I, I just, I'm, a, I'm kind of down here and there's, there's something that's going to be a breakthrough that causes me to be here. And, and while I think it was good that I had a revelation of my purpose and that I was, uh, that I was determined to live my life for Him, God reminded me in that moment and I had a breakthrough that my value to him had nothing to do with me. This is about needing to be needed. The problem with needing to be needed is that we equate our worth to what we do for other people. So my value as a husband is on, and how good of job I take care of Danielle and what I do for her. My value to her is, is just in, in the needs that I meet. My value as a father is just based on the needs that I meet and how good I meet them. My value as a pastor is how good I meet the needs of this group of people and, and so on and so forth. Do you, this is something that we all do and, and so we see the needs out there that, that we are personally meeting and it's so easy to assign our value to our level of what we do and how well we do it, right? And so the problem with that is that needing to be needed is a nicer way of saying codependent. Because codependent means the needs are constantly like pulling at each other. So if I need you to need me, then we are now in a codependent relationship which can go from just being kind of normal, what we tend to do and, and, and mix into our lives, whether we know it or not, to full-on codependency, which could be a part of your story. It could be a part of how you were raised. It, it could be something that you're familiar with. Um, but we've seen what that it looks like in the extreme. And so the concept of being needed takes the personal control over 
over your own happiness and success right out of your life. Because now you are more concerned about what the other people want and need from you than what you need or where you feel like you're supposed to go. So this can hurt a leader. Why? If I care more about what you need from me, then it could impact me just determining whether I, whether I follow through what, what God's showing me to do or a direction of the church because it might negatively affect some people or they might not like that path that we take as a church. So if I become more concerned for how somebody values me when I need to make a decision, it will affect my ability to make that decision. Do you see that? And so it also suggests that others can take it away from you, creating the perfect breeding ground for relationship killers such as insecurity, jealousy, manipulation, and fear. Are those fun things to have inside of a relationship? Because if somebody knows that you need them to need you, even if they have the best of intentions, they know how to play that piano. And they know how to get what they want out of you. Right? It, it sets this manipulation because now you are saying that, I'm, or, or you can even go the other way, I'm going to meet that need if you make it clear that you need me. Like, I, I'm so dependent upon your response to me that it's going gonna, it's gonna to make me push for that. And then it caused for jealousy. Um, I only dated one, like, really awesome girl, and I married her. Like, but I dated, like, a crazy one way before that. And did anybody ever hear this? They're all crazy, right? Like, that's, that's, the, that's the... I heard something like this. I would want to go and do something with my friends, and I would hear something like, you don't want to be with me. Anybody, like, have you heard that? Maybe you've said that to somebody. It's because all of a sudden, my desire to do something else meant that I didn't want that person. And this can happen in, in friendships and, and everything else. And so, next thing you know, you're, you end up modifying the behavior to accommodate uh, somebody's needs. If our self-esteem is based upon the approval of others, we will seek out people that we can help. You want to know why the Catwoman has 20 cats? She is just really nice. But there's, some, there's, there's something there that, that needs her. And I'm typecasting there. If some of you, in, you know, the person who owns 20 cats is leaving now angrily, and I'm going to get a very nasty email tomorrow. I'm so sorry. Um, not sorry, but uh, cats, really? They're just like living dog food. Like, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. But we seek out people. If we need to be needed, then we seek out places where we can feel good about ourselves. Because then we seek out situations where if we don't make it happen, it doesn't happen. And we want the recognition for doing that. I'm talking about parts of my life right now, if that's okay with you. Because it feels good to be needed, right? Because there's nothing wrong with wanting to make an impact on other people. There's nothing wrong with people thinking that their life is better off with you in it. And, but we can blur the lines and we can start to create needs in other people just because we need the stroke of, I need you. 
And so instead of just being a blessing in a healthy relationship and meeting needs out of a, just a desire to love the other person, all of a sudden you need to hear that back or you need to know that that person can't do that without you. And this will destroy relationships. It'll, it'll make marriage a, a ton of fun. Uh, it, it just makes things really difficult. If we do not have the ability to make our own needs known, we are likely to end up in relationships that continue that pattern of codependency. And I'm talking about extremes, but this plays out in a thousand different ways inside our daily lives. And so if you... What we do is we do these, uh, there's going to be two terms we use throughout these six weeks, and I'm getting a lot of this stuff from a, um, from a really cool study I've been doing with a, with a pastor friend that helps coach uh, Danielle and I and our team here. And um, the book's called Figure That Shift Out, which I think is hilarious. And, uh, and uh, so, but these terms are called proving and hiding. How do you know that you have a fear about something? It'll be an area that you're either proving or hiding in. If you hear somebody who is constantly trying to impress you, they have a fear of not being accepted. They're trying to constantly make... What, what's the downside of somebody who's constantly trying to impress you? Is it fun? No, it, it's exhausting. But what you're seeing is somebody proving in an area that they are insecure in. So you're really seeing somebody, somebody who is sometimes really strong and proving in an area, it's because that's the area where they're most insecure in. The other thing that we do is we hide, we pull back from situations. What do I mean? If we're going to talk about one fear, of I, uh, I have the fear of not belonging. If you have the fear of not belonging, then you are going to hold back from situations. You're going to avoid small groups. You're going to avoid situations where you have to really find out if people want you there or not. Because you're pretty sure they don't. And so just to not go through the rejection of it, you're not going to even engage. That's hiding. But then the, the proving side of that, if you're afraid or, or have the fear of not belonging, then someone comes in and they overcompensate and they try to be everybody's best friend like a golden retriever, right? What, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, you, you need another soda? I'll get you another soda. Like, what, what do you want to do? Like, you're, they're trying to overcompensate. You see what I'm saying? That's proving and hiding. I'm dumping some terms on you at first to help you through this series. We end up creating these needs and then the irony is we end up resenting the very needs we've created why because at some point we realize that our needs might not be fully being met because we keep adjusting ourselves for the sake of the people around us to be needed so we're always on and we don't know how to say no, right? And so, so you can end up sounding like, has anybody talked to a martyr lately? Like not a real one, like that actually died for something, you know, valiant, like our country or the cross or something, but like, oh my gosh, you know, I've just, I've got to do this and this for somebody, and I've got to do this and this for somebody else, and, and oh my gosh, I just, you know, I don't know what the world would do without me, and I just, I can't like, oh, I mean, you, sh you should see my phone, it just blows up all day long, and I just have people grabbing at me, grabbing, really? I would argue not to be rude, but to, to reveal a place where somebody is broken 
that they have the need to be needed. And they have put themselves in the middle of this storm where people can't live without them. Does this make sense? Got quiet in here, so I either hurt somebody's feelings or put everybody to sleep. Uh, Somebody say, give me the good news, Pastor. Come on, say it again. Give me the good news. All right. That's what we're here for. We're going to unravel this. Let's go to 1 John 4 today. I think they'll be on the screens with you, but we're going to read a few verses. I'm so excited about this series because I'm just seeing the breakthroughs of applying it into my life and um, just watching fear take a, a back seat to, to who God says I am is, is so much fun, and I think, it's, I think you're going to uh, receive something from this. Let's go to 1 John 4, uh, verses, I'm going to read 16 through 19. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, two more people say you're there. All right, if you see, oh, hang on, wrong chapter. You guys are like, he's crazy, he is. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. I grew up hearing that verse, casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. We're going to unravel these scriptures uh, from back to front. So we're going to uh, look at verse 19 first. It says, he loved us first. Say that with me. He loved us first. Hang on a second. You're telling me that before I chose to live for him, Before I did anything for him, before I committed my life to youth ministry, before I dedicated myself to the work of the Lord, before I decided to raise my kids to love Jesus, before I led somebody else to the Lord, before I went on a mission trip, before, 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 this says, he loved me first. And so this need to be needed, this is where we got to start unlocking this door. Um, I just went through, um, I do daily audio Bible. We just came, um, podcast, it helps me move through the Bible and, and keep it fresh in my life. And I uh, just went through Job last month. Job is a trip. It is a crazy book. If you think you have a story, read Job. And he will encourage you because he has been through the mill. Job goes through this whole book of wanting an interview with God to ask him why these bad things have happened to him. God never criticizes him for asking. But God comes on the scene and in Job chapter 38, I'm just going to paraphrase it to you, and he says, excuse me, were you there when I spoke the heavens and the earth into existence? Have I ever, I'm going to paraphrase here, have I ever needed your help to make sure the sun rises and the sun sets? 
Were you there when I spoke the create, creation into being and, and, and set up this amazing, uh, this world that we live in of, of animals and, and plants that, that, that magically know how to reproduce and, and, to, and to, to provide for us? I mean, we know it's all a big accident and, and all of that, but uh, were you there, God says? And he goes on for, I mean, a, a long time. And like just, I mean, Job just had to be like, eh, like, mercy, mercy, mercy. God doesn't need us. Well, that sounds mean, Pastor. Well, let me tell you straight up, God doesn't need you. Well, that sounds even meaner. God doesn't need us. And, and that's a mistake that I think pastors make. Like, oh, God needs me to, to, to take care of the people. It's something He's called me to, but there's something He's doing inside of me. I'm, I'm fulfilling one part of a body, and it's just something that um, He's going to honestly use somebody else if I don't step up. And so I get to participate, and that sounds real terrible, but I want to tell you why it's not terrible and why it's really good news. It's because the love that God has for me is 0% based on what I do for Him. I am loved first. I don't need to be needed by God because if you deal with needing to be needed, then you will have that block between you and Father God as well because that's going to determine there. And so when I, now looking back on my life, I can look at the pattern where I was pretty typical on going into ministry where I, I, I wanted to participate with different parts of the church, but I would just constantly say yes to everything. I wanted to be needed everywhere. And I had been validated. I had parents that, that loved me and told me they did. I had, I had good friends. I, I was married to a woman already that, that has chosen to love me. A crazy woman. Because, not because she's crazy. That, that came out wrong. Um, I think she's crazy for loving me. Like, she, she's, you know, I already have these good things in my life, and yet I was still going through my life creating, not really all that intentionally maybe, but making sure that I was needed in all these places because I wanted to be valued by all of these different groups of people. I wanted to be seen as somebody that was serving the church and, and, and somebody that cared about what was going on. And so I would just keep putting myself out there with the best of intentions. But if I'm loved before I'm needed, then that frees me to be loved by the people in my life first as well. And that I don't need to create a need in Danielle. I can just accept the fact that she loves me most days. He loved us first. Verse 18b, if we are afraid, then we have not fully experienced... I love that phrase right there. If we have any... Let's... let's, let's Let's bring this down to what we're talking about today. If we have any fear at all of not being needed, it's because we have not fully experienced the perfect love of God in that area. Which makes sense because we're all growing 
in this faith. And we're all growing in this journey of, of learning how to trust God for this and what to turn over to Him. So it's going to be pretty normal if just about all of us are on this scale of not being needed somewhere. I, this is not something that I've zeroed out on yet either. But it's something that I've had some breakthroughs in, so I don't, you know, it's not something that I really chase all that hard, but I can, I can get into trouble there. But this, it says, it's just because you've not fully experienced God's perfect love in that area yet. Because as soon as you know that He loves you, and you really believe that He loves you without doing anything for Him, this weight drops off your shoulders and we come to the place that says instead of I need to be needed, we can say, I am loved. Period. That's big. Because these fears all counter and keep us from things that God has provided for in our identity. Our identity as, as, as sons and daughters of Jesus, of, of God, and is, is that we are loved. We are loved. Period. That's one of our identity statements as, as Christians is, I am loved. And if I am struggling with this fear of I need to be needed, then I cannot fully walk in that truth of, of the identity that He's already provided for me. It's there. I'm just, this fear is keeping me from walking in it, and I'm staying away from it because I really think that I need to be needed. Do you see what I'm saying? So, verse 18b, we, if we are afraid, we've not fully experienced the perfect love. In verse 18, the first part of that says, perfect love expels all fear, casts out fear. Perfect love, there is no room for fear in the presence of perfect love. And so this is going to be something that we grow in with our relationships. Uh, intimacy is when you perfectly trust the person that you're in a relationship with. And that's that's something we grow into. Like it, it, I don't know that we ever fully arrive. Like, but, but as those walls of fears go down, then we should be fully and more comfortable with that person and with God. Does that make sense? And so anytime you have a fear, then it, 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 it blocks intimacy. And that's what God is talking about. And so perfect love, if there's perfect love in a situation, there's no room left for fear. And verse 17, I think, is the most encouraging one in this. It says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Huh. So you don't have to have it figured out sitting out there today. I don't have it all the way figured it out standing up here. But what this verse promises me is that as long as I continue to live in God, I'm going to grow in my understanding of so that I can receive perfect love and really truly understand there's no strings attached. And as I grow in understanding and receiving it, it means I'm going to grow in being able to give it away. Do you see why it goes from identity to community to mission? Because as I know who I am, I can function with other people in the fullness of who I am. Good, bad, and ugly. 
How many people know you're good, bad, and ugly? And then out of that, you can walk in what you've been given to do without putting up, proving, another way to say proving is putting up masks. And so masks are either things you're pretending to be or masks are things you're hiding from other people, both ways. You're trying to show something and you're trying to keep something. That's another way to describe it. And so as we encounter God's perfect love, we begin to be able to release it out to other people. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. That comes out, it has to and will only come out of the overflow of you receiving it. If you don't know how to receive no strings attached love from people, from God, you surely can't give it away. Because if you feel like there's a, a policy or, or a contract with what you've received from a person, that's going to be how you negotiate and navigate with giving it to other people. So then let's go uh, up to verse 16b. It says, all, it says, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. We get to grow in this. We get to navigate this. It says, I, I wrote this down, we cannot fulfill our God-given purpose unless we are living out of our true identity in Him. And so if God is love and we're spending time in Him, why do you come to church? There, there's, there's, there should be a few benefits. We're going to a lot of trouble that there are. Like you, Hopefully you're seeing people that you like and, uh, and hopefully you're, you're, you're receiving love. Hopefully you're able to participate if you're serving in one of our areas where I'm just so thankful we have the faithful people that come and serve. Then you, sure, you're helping to, to meet other people's needs. And, and, and I know some people just want to make sure their kids are, are, are hearing the truth and, and hearing about Jesus. Good, 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 good. This is an opportunity for us to spend time in God's love by being in a community of believers, by worshiping together, by hearing teaching to explain His truth so that we can grow in love. So let's go back all the way to the beginning of that set of verses. Verse 16a. It has to start somewhere. God loves us. And we have to put our trust in Him. So we don't affect whether He loves us or not. By the way, it says God loves us. He loves you first. He loves all the people that aren't in church today. That is true. God does really love everybody. What's the difference? And we have to put our trust in Him. That's the difference. That's when the truth of God is able to be released on the inside of us. That's, that, that happens at the moment of salvation when you say, God, I'm trusting you for my life instead of me. So the real difference is not that God doesn't love them and loves us. It's that we have chosen to accept and begin to trust that love wow so how is the fear of not being needed blocking the real you 
this thing gets in the way because we can't truly give away love until we, we've received it. And, and, and some of this can sound repetitive. And, and the reason is, is I believe this is a, a signature piece because trusting in God is the beginning of, of our life in Him. And then understanding what degree we trust Him is where we learn that we're still growing as believers. Because it'll be moments where you say, I'm really not trusting God in this. And then that's where you, you get to re-examine your life and say, okay, God, I'm, 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 re, I, I'm seeing this again, maybe in a new light, um, but I, I'm choosing to trust you in this. As things are revealed, that's why it says we grow in him. We don't get all the answers day one. We don't, we're not all polished up when we accept Jesus. Sometimes he immediately heals some things. I've seen people immediately delivered from addictions. I mean, immediately. Well, then why wouldn't God do that all the time? I have no idea. I hope that reassures you. Maybe it makes you feel worse, but I have no idea. I've seen him immediately heal phys you know, physical ailments. I've, I've seen him not. I've seen, uh, the, the point is, is that you begin to trust him and you're laying out your life before him and saying, this is yours. And as I see things, as, as things come my way, God, and I see that I'm not trusting you in something, then I, I'm going to turn and I'm, I'm going to wrestle with it. And, and that's really what part of the Christian life is, is seeing things and then learning how to give those things over. And, and, and you probably should get somebody to walk, walk you through with some of that. I, I, I want to move, I want to get better about this. Get somebody to partner with you on that. Or, or jot it down, journal on it or whatever else. Mission, our mission is to love people. We talked about sharing our faith the last few weeks. Mission comes from community, and community comes from identity. How do we go from I need to be needed to I am loved? How do we go there? There's a verse in Song of Solomon, and it has this little phrase in it. It says, His banner over me is love. Now, if you've paid attention to history or anything like that, um, some of you were alive when we landed on the moon the first time or something like that. What did they put on the moon when they, when they landed there? A flag, because that's America's moon, right? <laughs> it's ours. But seriously, like, when, when countries were, like, exploring, that was, like, all that took was landing someplace and putting the flag up and like, it's ours. Don't care who's living here. Like, it's ours. But then if you go further, and let's say there was actually conflict or war or something like that, what was one of the signals of who won? Whose flag's flying after the battle? So yeah, the moon's ours. Our flag's flying over it. I really don't know if anybody else's flags are up there. That'd be worth Googling. But uh, I'll get to that. Listen to this. Uh, this is from one of my, it's an old commentary, but I never am, I'm never, uh, I'm always amazed at the depth that's in it. Matthew, Matthew Henry says this, His banner over me was love. He brought me in with a banner displayed over my head, not as one he triumphed over, but as one he triumphed in and whom he will always cause to triumph with him 
and in him. Hey, read that last part again. The banner is displayed over my head, not as one he has triumphed over, but as one he triumphed in, and whom he always caused to triumph with him and in him. How do countries raise their flag? They got to get there first or beat the tar out of whoever was there first. Right? I'm conquering you. And so world history shows just wave after wave of different empires moving over places, and now it's this empire and that empire, whatever else. How does the kingdom of God move? How does it grow? One heart at a time of the flag going up. And what I want to encourage you in this morning, and what I believe this commentator from 100 years ago gets just right, is that God doesn't conquer us. He doesn't conquer over. There's something that happens on the inside. Do you know who puts the flag up over you? Me. And you. Because God's not going to say, stomp your mind. He says, I love you. Do you want to live in my love? And the moment we trust in that love, the banner goes up. Because now we're His. Like everything's His, but he, he lets us make this choice. And if this fear of, of needing to be needed is, uh, and it, it's really, we're, it's the fear of not being needed. And so we wrestle with this in everything we do. And so we want to make sure that somebody values us. And so we make sure that we're giving somebody our best. And we make sure that we don't complain too much. And that we're always being useful. And that we do and we do and we do. And we settle and we settle and we settle. And, and we go and we go and we go and we go. And God said, the banner's already over your head. I loved you first. How do we move from going from I needed to be needed from to I am loved is because we have to see that we are triumphed in, not over. We surrender, not get run over. And it's not surrender because we, we know that there's no, there's no way out. It's, it's, it's we see it and we choose to give our hearts to Him. This series is something that I believe can see breakthrough in, in, in lives. That's why we preach what we preach here, and, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and some things have to be unraveled. If there's something that is, is locking you up for, for years or something that somebody's done to you, you might need to talk with, you probably should talk with somebody about it and see what level you do. And because some things need to be unraveled with counseling, it's just the way it is, and, and, and there's no shame in that. How, why would we be ashamed of choosing to be set free from things that are locking us up? These fears came from somewhere because the fear comes from 
by believing a, a, from something happening or just believing something false about something and it becomes something that drives our life. And so if we're creating this need out there for, to, to be needed, it's because we're, we're somewhere along the way we believe that we can't be loved just for, just for me. Can we pray this morning? Call the worship team up. With heads bowed, just want to just want to speak God's just affection over you. The greatest romance stories don't touch the pursuit of God for your soul. Whatever a man has done to convince a woman of his love, whatever a woman has done to convince a man of her love, pales in comparison. Pales in comparison to God's love for you today. If there's a part of you sitting there today that says, I need to be needed to be loved, And you want to trade that for unconditional love. Did you just hold out your hands this morning? Nobody's judging you. Nobody's shaming you. I had a picture in my mind just, just as I was just seeking the Lord about stuff like this this week. And I just pictured holding a bowl like in front of me and, and, and that just this concept of overflow and that and that God is, is he, he wants to pour this into me. But I have to receive it. And if it's not there, I have nothing to pour out to other people. And so with hands in front of us, we say, Lord, thank You. Thank You for loving me. I pray that in this place, in this moment, some of you would experience the perfect love of God for the first time or maybe in a long time. Or maybe a new level. It's real. You really don't have to do anything. To receive it, it just says to trust and believe that He really does love you. As you would respond individually to the Lord this morning, would you just say out loud or in your spirit, if you're, I don't think you should be embarrassed, none of us should be. But just say it with me I am loved. 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 This identity exists because God gave it to you. And it's something that we need to claim back for ourselves so that we can move forward into community and mission from a healthy place. If you've never trusted God before, 
and you're ready to today, right now, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Maybe you've walked away from him. Would you trust him with your heart today? Just want to make space. Father God, we receive your love. We thank you that we can stand in your love. God, we thank you that this is a part of the cross, that you have provided this core need of ours to be met, God, that we would know that we are loved. God, would we rest in it? Would we breathe in it? Would we walk in it? Would we share it? Would we live this out, God? Where we need to go deeper, God, would you cause us to have the conversations with the people that could help us grow deeper in this? We thank you and we praise you for loving us first. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna stand and worship. As we do, we've got teams of people up here that want to pray with you. They're gonna remind you that God loves you. They're gonna see what's going on in your life. If you've got something going on with somebody who's sick in your family, something's going on inside of you, something that you're dealing with, come have somebody agree with you in prayer. And uh, if you have made a decision or you want somebody to follow up with you, check in at the Next Step Center, and uh, I would be so happy to reach out to you and make sure that somebody is talking with you about these things. Thank you.